Hi, this is Carrie Mitchum. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Hello, I'm Graham Wood. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with host Stephen Brittingham. Hi, Stephen. This is Emily Parker calling you. Hi, Stephen. It's Melissa Anderson calling. Mr. Brittingham, this is Bill Duke. How are you, sir? Stephen, this is Patrick Duffy. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. For more guest and show news, please visit hollywoodbeyond.net. Have a question or comment for Stephen? You can send them anytime to the show's official email address, hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Supernatural fans, this is Carrie Gonzell inviting you to join me for Creation's Supernatural Convention in Arlington, Virginia, this coming August 12th through 14th. I will be there along with all of your favorite Supernatural stars. Join me for a free screening of Just My Imagination. I will be hosting along with the hilarious Nate Torrance, who plays Sully. There will be autographs, photo ops, a karaoke night, and so much more. Get your tickets at creationent.com. Don't miss out. Get yours today. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in. Thank you for listening. And now your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Happy August, friends and listeners. Welcome to the first episode of August here on Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. This is your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. I am here in my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I hope wherever you may be listening that this finds you doing exceptionally well and enjoying the summer. Before welcoming my special guest today, please permit me a moment to say to visit the all-new website, hollywoodbeyond.net. You can listen to the entire podcast library. You can also read guest and show news, or you can even leave me a voicemail. How cool is that? Please visit hollywoodbeyond.net today. My guest today is an actor a Latin performer of Mexican descent, and he is finding himself in several film, television, and commercial projects. He's doing all sorts of interesting and exciting things. I'm very excited to have him on the show today. His name is Bernardo Badillo, and his roles include those on FX's Snowfall, which is a recurring role, and also with guest appearances in Dexter and Weeds, and has appeared in Clint Eastwood's Sully, which starred the great Tom Hanks. Very impressive accomplishments, and I might add 
a truly impressive commitment to studying and training as an actor. I'm looking forward to uh, mentioning how I noticed that about him, how it stood out to me. I'm also excited to learn more about his role in Emily the Criminal, a film that is getting a lot of uh, really positive reviews and some nice buzz and feedback from the Sundance Film Festival, starring Aubrey Plaza. Very much looking forward to learning more about that film and his role. Bernardo, welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Nice to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be part of this podcast and to be speaking with you about, I don't know, acting in general and and everything coming up. Well, that's one of my favorite topics, acting. (laughs) Most definitely about it. Well, the feeling is completely mutual. And welcome to the show. So nice to have you here. I really enjoyed learning so much about you. I really enjoy learning about people that maybe I was not familiar with. So uh, I'm really uh, grateful for this opportunity to learn more about you. Now, as I mentioned, I'm here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And where are you joining me from today? I live in Sherman Oaks, California. Back in Sherman Oaks. Yes, I do. Uh, How is the summer going uh, on your end? Oh, it's fantastic. I, I love the summers here. I, lo- I love the heat. So, <laughs> well, there's plenty of that to go around, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like. <laughs> I don't like the cold. I don't like the cold. Well, you would like it over here then because it has been in the high 80s, low to mid 90s, heat indexes reaching 100 or more. So it's wow. definitely been a steamy summer here, even for this area, which often has a lot of humidity. But... I certainly hope that you will continue to enjoy the rest of the summer. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Bernardo, where are you from? I was uh, born in Fullerton and raised in Anaheim. Um, Fullerton is the town next to Anaheim. Um, and I grew up there until, until I was 18, basically. And uh, then moved to L.A. Uh, to go to UCLA and then moved to New York to go to grad school, and then I came back and have been here in L.A. ever since. But, yeah, so gr- growing up in Anaheim, it was, it was fun. And uh, I did go to Disneyland a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, how did your interest in acting first develop for you? You know, I, I've been asked this question before, and, and I, I, I always say I always knew. Um, since I was a kid, I just – I knew that that's the path that I wanted to have – of course, you know, back then you don't really realize that it's a career as, you know, being an actor is a career and, and a job. And, and I just thought to myself, whatever they're doing, when I would watch a TV show or a film, I'd say, I want to be on that show. I want to be in that movie. I want to do this. This is what I, I dream of doing. And I would create these scenarios in my room or in the bathroom and in which I was starring alongside them in these shows. So I would create a separate character that somehow would come into their lives and shake things up, you know, or, um, or in a film and, and, and hope that I would be in the sequel and, and, you know, uh, write stuff out and scenes. And, and I just, I just always knew that I would be an actor or that, that, or that I would, I wanted to be an artist somehow. Very nice. I can completely relate to that. It sounds like we had similar experience. I I just kind of knew and felt like I was going to be a part of 
artistic projects one way or another. Let's put it that way. And I used to create my own plays at home and make my neighborhood friends, my childhood friends, be in them. And when I got a video camera, I used to create and, and shoot my own movies as well. Oh, wow. (laughs) I wish I had gotten a video camera. (laughs) You would have really benefited from it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I still don't have a video camera, just my phone. But, you know, well, with, the, with the, the way that smartphones are, my goodness, um, yeah. the things you can do with your phone is just amazing when you really think about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be filming something. Maybe this podcast is inspiring me to film something. Hey, that would be wonderful. <laughs> I, I would love if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of plays, what about actually doing your first play? I'm assuming you had some school plays along yeah. the way. And, yeah. and, and what was that I, like for you? I, well, I really didn't get into like full, you know, performance mode until I was in high school. I However, see. I did write a, a, a little play called Teeny Tiny Wizards that you, you, had, you had to take the title of, a, of, a, of an existing book. And then and that was, I was part of a, a class assignment. And, and I think I was like in eighth grade. And um, write something, a a play version of that book. But I chose to make it, instead of Teeny Tiny Witches, I made it Teeny Tiny Wizards. And I created and wrote a whole new story, a new play that that my my classmates and I performed. Um, So technically, that was my first official play that you would say that was was my, my real acting showcase so to speak but my technically my first official like you know role that I was like okay this is this is what I'm performing for uh, um, in front of a huge audience in front of in a theater that was uh Neil Simon's The Odd Couple but I did the female version and in the female version um, I think it's Olivia, and I can't remember the other character's name. They go on a date with two Spanish brothers, and I was one of the Spanish brothers. And I, my name, I think, was Manolo Costasuela. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very, very exciting. Very impressive. Yeah, so that was my first. Neil Simon was my first uh, play. And then I, 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 I made people laugh all, constantly when I was on stage and I was like, Oh, I can do this. This is something that I am really good at and not really knowing too much about technique or style or, you know, mm-hmm. what to, I, just, I just instinctually did it at that point. I see. And it's interesting. So you had an inclination that, that this was what you wanted to do, but then actually having this experience only reaffirmed that yes, I I was really onto something here. This is what I want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. I that was and and maybe that people have asked me what was the turning point and for me uh, like when I knew and I and I and maybe this actually now now thinking about it, maybe that was it. Maybe just knowing that I could make people laugh and that I could actually do it um, and be on a stage, not just in my room or like in a small classroom or whatever. And that I can make it happen. I was like, okay, this is something that feels right that I, I want to keep pursuing. And I did. 
and and I did more plays in school. I, I think I only did like two other plays. One was a musical. Uh, I was part of the ensemble because I was in choir at that point. And so they needed people in the ensemble. I auditioned, but I didn't get a bigger role. It was just the ensemble because they wanted really strong singers for the musical. And I hadn't had any real musical training aside from being in choir like two years. Um, and some people had had a lot of musical training or had been singing for years and years and years. So I did that. I was in the ensemble. And then I did another play. I can't remember the title, but it had like a 1950s style theme. And I think it was called something like rock and roll or something. I don't remember, but <laughs> I had a small role in that, but it was really fun. And we had a whole dance number at the very end because I was part of this band or group. Uh, and, and it was just like a, a blast. But by that point, I had already been accepted that last play that I did. I had already been accepted to the UCLA uh, program school of theater, film and television at that point. Wow. How exciting that was. And, and when you think back now going from high school um, and moving up a big level, you know, what was the um, training like for you there as far as the, um, the, the folks that you may have studied under? It was intense. I I felt like I was constantly in over my head. Mm. Again, uh, a lot of the people that I went to school with had had a lot of theater training, a lot of acting experience. Some people had done television and films before. Um, they had done over 50 plays and musicals and had a lot of performance in their background. And I had done three plays, literally. So... I found myself being very intimidated. However, that made me also have to work that much harder. So I knew, I said, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but that means that I have to study really hard, work really, really hard, and learn as quickly as possible. So I had some great teachers. I, you know, we had steam study and voice, and we, we learned Tai Chi, and... Um, movement and all sorts of things that I had very little knowledge of, um, you know, also building sets and, you know, lighting and costuming. And, and so it was really a crash course in all things theater, at least the first year. So I got to learn a little bit about of everything. And that was something that I really had very little experience doing. And so I, I definitely had to find my tribe of people that helped me just you know, learn and help me move it along and, and continue. And, and I remember going home sometimes on the weekends, um, because I, I didn't live, my, my family lives in Anaheim and I was in LA. So, you know, it's like an hour drive. So I would go on the weekend. And I remember telling my mom, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling. It's so hard. I feel so intimidated. She's like, no, you're there for a reason. Believe that you, you did it and you made it and you deserve to be there. And as the years went on, I excelled. I really, I learned so much and I found that I, again, I could do it. It came through me. And that's what I, that's what I always say is, you know, sometimes you can learn the technique, right? I can learn and study all I want, but, it, but the, the, the process and, and of, of um, acting it out, of it coming through you and your voice and your, your body is a whole nother thing. And I was able, that, that, that came easily to me, to be able to 
process and then it come through my 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 physicality and actually do it and i i don't know i just excelled at that and so i said okay i can do this if i can just get the you know the role and and i have my ideas and put it all inside my body and my spirit it'll come through me and it did and it worked as i mentioned um at the top of the episode your commitment to training your zest for training so to speak is something that i really picked up on and and just listening to you now backs up exactly what i was trying to emphasize um, because I think training is just so important. Also, personally, I find it super fun and extremely challenging at times. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. When I was just listening to your descriptions, do you ever have folks who are not actors or a, a part of artistic projects in any way? And whenever you shared the kind of training that you do, are, are they ever surprised that, wow, there's like you have to learn all these things about acting like movement or how you uh, use your voice or um, how you retain lines. Like have they ever been surprised that, that studying the, the craft of acting is, can be very detailed? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, they always say, Oh, I don't know how you learn all those lines. And I'm like, that's the least of my worries. (laughs) The, The lines are the easiest part. Just learn the lines. I mean, that's easy. Yes, try try uh, worrying about blocking because that's where yeah. you don't want to mess up there. <laughs> yeah, or or even just having you know specificity and thought for each line, and you know trying to get your objective in the scene because you know for people that aren't actors, you have to always want something in the scene, and if you don't want anything in the scene, then the scene's going to fall apart, right? So, I think. And then, and I, I recently had a conversation with my stepsister and um, her husband because they were asking me about uh, a preparation that, that I do or whatever. And, and I said, well, I use substitution and I think about something maybe awful that happened to me um, in order to portray something awful that's happening to the character. And I said, but sometimes I have to amplify that. So, for instance, if I think about someone who passed away, unfortunately, I may it might it may not do anything for me. But if I think about how they actually passed away, and if it was an awful situation of how they passed away, that might spark me more. You know what I'm saying? That might infuse something in me. And they were like, oh. And so I, I gave them an example, which I won't go into right now, but like, they were like, oh, wow, I didn't even think of, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you have to go to those places mm-hmm. that times are more than awful, that are extreme in order for you to inject that into your performance. So I said, it's about turning yourself on in different ways in order to access those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts, and then portray the character. Now, when you... um were uh, involved with, um, uh, you know, you're studying there and all of that. I'm just curious, what kind of theatrical productions does um, the University of California, like like, like what what kind of productions does UCLA have, like theater-wise? I'm just curious. Um, To be honest, 
I don't even remember. And and but he, but here's why because I never got cast in a main stage production. Gotcha, gotcha. So you have to audition, and you're auditioning against other people. I never got a part. Yeah, it's not guaranteed, right? You still no. have to. Oh you yeah. Know, yeah, audition. Exactly. I mean, we have you know a, an underground theater festival, and so the the students will put on their own productions. But in terms of university level productions, they did have some, and a lot of them. I honestly do not remember. A lot of them felt like I, I do remember that a lot of them were sort of almost avant-garde. And so, hmm. um, and uh, stylistically it wasn't just a straight play, you know, normal, regular play. They, you know, they used some, you know, movement and, and different things that, that you'd be like, okay, I, this is not a play I've even heard of in my life, but I never got cast. So I never got to do a main stage production um according to the ucla uh, <laughs> studies that they were having however i did get to do you be on the on the main stage when they had a latino theater festival uh at the end of the year when i was there and jose Luis valenzuela who was one of my teachers slash mentors um there he produced this latino festival for all these different uh universities and they all came um almost like a like a little summer camp and we got to perform a play called La Victima and then that I did have a starring role in that um so I did eventually get to perform on the big stage but it wasn't part of the regular university curriculum staged performance you know Bernardo something standing out to me that I personally find very inspirational and perhaps to some folks out there as well if they also kind of caught on to what I did. When you were mentioning when you first arrived at UCLA and you basically suddenly realized that maybe you didn't exactly 100%, maybe even know what you're doing compared to your fellow students, only because maybe the passion was there, but from an experience standpoint, right? Like you felt like, wow, they're miles ahead. And that make that, that makes you feel like you're standing out, maybe not in the way you, you would want to, right? Like, oh man, like... Uh, you know, I've really, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not as uh, far ahead as these guys, but some folks, unfortunately in life, there are those moments where, where, where you're feeling so much anxiety about that and overwhelmed that maybe self-doubt creeps in and maybe they don't even try. They're like, you know what? I can't do this. I'm just going to try something else. I did show up for a day or two, but you stuck with it. And I just wanted to say, I really commend you from having that perspective that, that, you know what, I'm just going to, it's going to make me work harder. So that's like a positive tool that I can use. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, I think it's about will, right? It's like you have to will yourself to stick with it and to stay in it because I had a lot of self-doubt all the time, all the time, especially in that, in that school. Um, and I just had to will myself to keep going, to keep going. Just and I had going. the support of my mom. She was very supportive and she always believed that I could do it. And I didn't come from a, a you know, a wealthy family. I didn't come where I just have something to, to, you know, to fall back on. I didn't, I didn't come from a family of artists who understand that world or who, know that and and can envision your future in that field right but my mom always supported me and she always believed because of who i was as a kid i was always precocious and i was always kind of performing and had that bug 
So she knew that it always my, was my passion and she could see it in me. And so she always would talk me off the ledge, so to speak, and say, you deserve to be there. And so I had to keep just fighting the good fight and, and will myself to stay because I could have easily stayed at UCLA and changed majors. But I said, no, I love this. I'm going to do it. So, you know, I, I, if anything, I would just say to people, if you believe in yourself enough, regardless of your doubt, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Well said, my friend. Well said. Thank you for sharing so many memories from UCLA. I, I, I can't wait to discuss your latest film role, Emily, the criminal film, which um, I mentioned to you off the air when we were first speaking. That is actually playing in Cincinnati today. But we're recording this on a Thursday, and um, I think that's so neat that I saw it listed as, as showing later this evening. But oh. before we do, I just wanted to ask, after you left UCLA, I believe you then ventured all the way out east. Yes, yes. And I, what was that experience like from a training perspective? Because you continued your training when you got to, uh, to, to Manhattan. Yeah, I... I before I graduated, I got accepted. Before I graduated from UCLA, I got accepted to the Actor Studio Drama School. Um, I only applied for three graduate programs, and two of them I got into, and then the other one I did not. Um, and this one was one of them. And I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna go." To you. I, I mean, I I couldn't believe that I got into the Actor Studio Drama School. I was like, "Oh my god, I get to go to New York!" And you know, I was 21 when I when I got accepted and I was just like in, in hog heaven, so to speak. And, and it was the first time that I, when I moved there, it was the first time I had ever been to New York. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. To shock. And, yes. uh, but I felt much more prepared this time around because I knew I had a foundation mm. in terms of my training and technique. Yes. It, it, although I will say this was on a whole nother level of training and technique. And I won't get into all the specifics of all the training, but you know it was very Strasbourg based. I did learn some Meisner, um, and it was very intense because Strasbourg is all about using. Uh, it basically it's about turning yourself on by using different methods um, and you know thinking about past memories or um, physically trying to feel something that's going to instigate an emotion, a feeling, a, a reaction, right? And so mm -hmm. with a, on a whole nother level that I learned how to do these techniques and, and study this craft. Um, and it was definitely also very much a challenge. And, and I, I, I excelled also in this because, again, it came through me in a way that, that felt easy to me. It was hard learning it. But somehow it just came, flowed through me again. Uh, but I never, and then when I was in New York, I never worked in, in New York. I never, I, I came back right after and I started working. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have any family in the Big Apple? No, I knew no, no, not no family. Person. I didn't know not, and nobody. Hmm. Now, yeah. LA, of course, is a... I mean, of obviously a very big city as well, but it's spread out and it has a different mindset than New York City, where, as you know, it's more scrumped together, so to speak, and it has its own uh, mindset and atmosphere. 
was it hard for you to adjust because of that? I mean, how long did it take for you to feel like you were kind of like in a nice flow, so to speak? I would say it took like at least a month. About um, a whole month. Yeah, just because when I remember getting off the plane and feeling disoriented just with everything going on. I think I also got a little promotion <laughs> sickness on the plane, not, not going to lie. But I remember landing and, and I was and I was living in the dorms in, um, in uh, the financial district. And it's kind of chaotic in the financial district, not to mention all the construction. And, you know, I, I felt dizzy, to be honest with you. I felt like that when I that very first day, I remember feeling disoriented um, and just walking through the streets and, and being in awe, but also just out of it. And then um, not, not knowing anybody there and, and not having family there, you really have to build your community. And mm -hmm. once we started school, uh, well, first of all, I turned 20, uh, I turned 22 on August 27th, which I think was right before we started classes. Okay. Um, and I met a couple friends that day, the day of my birthday at this, at this uh, diversity uh, meeting that they were having as part of the new school university when, uh, the, the actor studio was at New School University uh, because now I think it's in a different uh, university now. Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, like I met them and they're actually some of my friends to this day now. Like one of them was my is my closest closest friend in the in the entire program. We became best friends, and she is like a, a, a godsend. And I met her the day of my birthday, and then the next week we had started classes. And we all just became a family, all 60 of us, because we had to be, you know, you spend so much time together working with each other, learning any and everything about each other. It gets very personal in class. You, in, in that particular environment, you share a lot of your personal self. And so you really get to know everybody's deepest, darkest secrets and all these things that you normally wouldn't tell other people. So, wow. Well, that opens you up on the inside emotionally. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. And, uh, so that, that can be kind of scary or, uh, uh, a different type of, uh, way of, uh, expressing yourself. But when you do, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm really getting in touch with my emotions and inner feelings that's great. Now, Bernardo, I'm really wondering, when you return back to California, um, eventually you'd go on to appear on numerous primetime shows or shows that are on streaming services, I should also emphasize. And, and I know that had to be exciting, but I'd love to ask you about being directed by Clint Eastwood, who is, by the way, we all know how phenomenal he is as an actor and his impact in cinema but i have to tell you that man is i mean he is a solid director oh yeah no he's fantastic well how did the opportunity come up in and what was your character in the film so um i had auditioned for american sniper okay and I didn't get it, and but I was on hold, right? Mm -hmm. And then I auditioned. I think that at that point they, I had already, um, 
been in the mix in terms of him knowing who I was. Um, and, and also on, on the casting director's radar. So then they called me in for Sully and, uh, I just went in there. This is when we could go in in person because now we, we don't audition in person anymore, unfortunately. Um, so I went in person to audition for casting and then they record you, put me on tape. And next thing I know, they're like, they love you and you've got the part. So <laughs> it, it literally was that, you know, that simple. But I, like I said, I, I had to be, I had to have been on the radar first, right? And mm-hmm. so because I was on the radar and I was on hold for American Sniper, they knew who I was. I probably wouldn't have gotten the same opportunity to be, you know, to, to have them see me again or have Clint look at my tape and in a real way, if I hadn't impressed them with my original audition for American sniper. So just, and and I just say that just to, for, for anybody listening that even if you don't get a part, that doesn't mean you failed, right? It means that you were, especially if you were close and you were one of the choices that means that you impress them enough that they're going to call you in again. They're going to keep you in mind for the next project. Absolutely. And, yeah, and so I, I, I went. You know, I got the part, and I got to work with uh, Jerry Ferreira, who played my partner in in the movie. We were we were NYPD scuba divers, and I played a real life character. Uh, and we filmed out in New York. They flew me out to New York to film at, on this helipad. And I got to be in a helicopter uh, for the first time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Clint is, is great because he won't mince words. He'll, he'll, but not, but in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. he'll, like when I was filming the scene, we were in this little office. And literally he's standing right next to me as we're filming with a monitor, like a handheld monitor. And he's watching you act and he's also watching the monitor and he's whispering or like kind of like like this. He'll be like, faster, Bernardo, faster, you know, <laughs> faster, calling out in the middle of the scene as you're doing it. And so it makes you have to be alive and in the moment and <laughs> yes. doing it, you know, and and you just you, you it, it, he moves very fast. So you only get a couple of takes mm. uh, and and he works with the same team over and over and over again. So they know what he likes. They know what to do. And, you know, the, like, I remember the DP telling us, you know, uh, he likes a lot of movement and things to go quickly. So make sure that you're always moving, that that the scene is always moving forward and that you're, you know, we had to, we had to leave and run towards the helipad. So they're like, you know, make sure that you're getting there as soon as possible. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you learn also not just from working with him, but also working with the camera crew. And that was a, a new experience for me is that they knew what they know what he wants so well that they're able to facilitate that, that conversation. And, and then he's there obviously overseeing everything. So it was, it was fantastic. And, and he just was the nicest person and super welcoming and just, you know, gave us kudos and, and, you know, we sat in the helicopter and talked a little bit with him just about his own experiences. And I think I shot one of the first days of filming, if not the first day of filming, 
Um, so I got to meet the producer of the film and it was just such a, a great experience. And then, and then they, uh, weeks later we came and shot, uh, on the universal lot in the, they have like a, a makeshift blue screen and Lake. So we shot there at universal studios and, uh, I got to learn how to scuba professionally, uh, by, uh, these, uh, and Navy SEALs. Wow. Yeah. They're not yeah. messing around, are they? Oh, yeah. It was, it was great. I mean, of course, we, we learned how to scuba in that lake, not in the ocean. Yeah. But um, but that was fun. It was great. And scuba diving is not as easy as it sounds. Oh, I, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Wear, because you're, you know, you're, you have this tight, tight, tight suit, which is very constricting. And you also have this huge, like, 50-pound gas tank and out of the water it's very difficult to walk in it and move in it and, and you know we're shooting it during the summer and it was hot you know and so you're it, it's hard once you're in the water it's a little bit easier but mm-hmm. when you're outside of the water it's like whoo so and, and that's just another example like we were talking about all the things actors study in a class i mean sometimes they have to have additional training of actually knowing how to do whatever job or career that the character uh, may have. And I, I find that to be very exciting though. Like oh, if, yeah. if you're doing a Western and you have to ride horses, but you don't know how to guess what chances are, you're probably going to learn how to. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's exciting about being an actor is that you kind of have to be a mini expert in whatever that character mm-hmm. does because you have to know how to do it, especially if you're doing it on camera. You don't fake it. You know, sometimes in theater, you can fake it, obviously, because you're on stage. Like, I wouldn't be actually scuba diving, right? So I'd mm-hmm. probably just be walking out on stage with the scuba gear. But, <laughs> in this, but in a film and TV, you're actually doing the thing that you're, yes. you know, the career or the job. So you have to be as real and as authentic as possible when you're on screen. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, I'm not surprised at all to hear how wonderful it was to work with Clint. Uh, just such an amazing career and, and certainly is one of my favorites, both as an actor and a filmmaker. Like I said, just a tremendous filmmaker. I'm always blown away by what he, you know, he can accomplish. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, even if you took away all his acting achievements and he was only a director, we'd still be talking about Clint. That's how yeah. good he is. Yeah, no, he's great. He was fantastic. And, and, you know, and, and to the point about, you know, auditioning for the same people over and over, I actually auditioned for other uh, Clint Eastwood films as well after, uh, you know, after Sully. Unfortunately, I didn't get cast in them, but they called me back in. There you go. I, I'm glad that you shared your thoughts on that because, look, it, it is tough, especially if it's a, a role that you are, are like, wow, I, I could really do this. Or you're just feeling a connection to the part, but you don't get it. Of course, that can be uh, deflating and whatnot and disappointing. But uh, you're right, Bernardo. It could just be that they're looking for just that, a different look. It could be that they're looking for just a slightly different approach. And you, but, the, but if you did a great job and made a good impression, they're going to remember you down the road. So it's, it's not a loss if, if you look at it like that. No. Being on hold or being you know, pinned, what they call it too, um, 
means that they like you and they're debating between you and one other person, but it means that they've actually seen your tape. It means that they're looking at you as a possibility and they're trying to match up a whole cast of people that work together and, and that they, that, that embody their vision. So that means that you're in the mix and that they've, you've gotten past sort of the casting director's um, initial response, right? So, because sometimes the casting will say, mm, I liked his tape, but it's not for this role. Like, I didn't think, you know, and that's fair. That's very fair. But if you already have are on hold or pinned or chosen to be in, in the mix, then you know that the casting director liked you enough and they moved your tape on to the next set of people, whether it's the writers, the producers, the director, to see you. And so you are being seen even if you didn't get it, you don't know who's who's watching. You just never know. So it's it's about making sure that you understand that it's not personal, but also that you are in the that you were in the mix, and that that that's a win. Most definitely a win. You you're leaving your mark, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Well, I am so excited to discuss your latest film role in Emily the Criminal which, as I mentioned, did very well at Sundance. And I, I, it's just amazing. I'm looking up right now, and it says that it is going to be showing tonight um, at the uh, Esquire. Oh, you know what? Correction. It actually has Thursday, August 11th. Okay. So now that makes much more sense because it's being released um, August 12th. So, so this would be like the day before, and a lot of cinemas and stuff have that like sneak preview the, the day before. So I did look at that wrong. My apologies. But how exciting. I mean, I literally know in advance where it's going to be playing in Cincinnati uh, at the Esquire Theater. So if folks in Cincinnati are listening, because uh, this episode is going to be released a, a whole week before the release of the film... Well, I'm giving you a heads up of where you can see it, but it's going to be across the country, no doubt, in various cities. Well, how did the opportunity come for you to be in this film? It looks very interesting to me, very intriguing. It also looks like a character study, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that I am fascinated about because I'm already wondering, is the main character and other characters going to change as the film goes along, or are they going to be caught up in this? So if you could share that, and also, what is the film about to folks who are listening that don't know? Okay, yeah. So to answer your first question, I received the audition through my agency, and I just, I submitted a tape because now, uh, because of COVID, we don't go in person anymore to audition. You send a tape. Uh, that you record, they give you the scenes that you're auditioning with, and then you send it out. And I felt like this was my role from the beginning, to be honest with you. I felt like the character, again, just came right through me. I didn't have to overwork it or overthink it. I just said, I know this person. This is a blue-collar person who works hard and uh, is just trying to survive and make a living. And, and, I, and I've had, you know, in this character... Um, has multiple jobs and which is not on screen, but it's something that I talked to with the director about his like history and all of that. So I sent in the tape and then a couple weeks later I found out that I had gotten the part 
and I hadn't I hadn't rehearsed at all or you know met the director until I got the my to my very first day on set and then the director and I discussed the character and the role and we were both on the same page and I felt like I knew instinctually what to do um and the film is about Emily played by Aubrey Plaza and she is has a ton of student debt she has a past criminal record for a felony and it's hard for her to get a good work or jobs that are what are high paying because of her criminal record and i um, so she gets a job at, at a catering company and i play another caterer alongside her so all my scenes are with aubrey and um we're friends but when she does me a favor to take over one of my shifts because i have to take my son to a baseball game uh i give her the number of my hookup and that hookup is to do dummy shopping dummy shopping entails you getting a fake id a fake credit card and you go and buy these large purchases at, you know, say like a big $2,000 television, and then you deliver it and you get paid $200 in cash for delivering this item. So essentially you're doing an illegal job and not hurting anybody, but that's what you do. And then as it goes along, she starts to see that the money is really good, dangerous, but the money's good. So she starts to get deeper and deeper into this LA underworld of, a, a crime ring of dummy shopping and uh i don't know i don't want to give out going too much, <laughs> but things get uh, a little hairy if you, <laughs> yes i could tell by the trailer which i'd like to say right now if anyone is listening to this and hasn't seen it it's easily found over on youtube just look up emily the criminal trailer it'll pop up instantly trust me on that um i have to say uh Aubrey's performance looks like it's going to be a outstanding one. Oh my gosh, it's killer! Uh, we actually had the premiere, well, the a CAA premiere event yesterday, and it was the first time that we all got to see it on the big screen, and it was just such a reminder because I had seen it during the Sundance virtual premiere, um, uh, at my, in my own the comfort of my own home. But now we finally got to see it with an audience, and just watching it on the big screen, you really get to see all the nuances of of her performance and how she really get like that, the intensity that she brings to the character. And, and, you know, I think people are going to be surprised by her dramatic work. I feel like a lot of people know her for her comedy skills and she is absolutely hilarious, but this role is not funny. It's, it's very mm. much drama and she yes. kills it. Um, and I mean, it, the fire in her eyes, the attitude, the persona, I mean, it's just, incredible to see and, and that transformation and that journey that she takes. So I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. And to your point, this is very much a character study, not just from her uh, side, but also Theo Rossi uh, plays the character of Youssef, um, who's a Le Lebanese immigrant, and he really does an incredible job as well. So I think people are going to, you know, be surprised by his performance too. I think people have seen a lot from him and, this is some a, a different type of rule, in my opinion. And the trailer also makes it clear that the direction is top-notch as well. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to say and go out on a limb that the script is no doubt equally as top-notch, and it's both being done by the same gentleman, yes. uh, John Patton Ford. Yes. And uh, wanted to ask um, what it was like being directed by John. 
Oh, John is a dream. John is the best because he just lets you wants to hear what you have to say about the character. Once allowed us to improvise a lot on set to fill the scene, to fill the space. And I will say not a lot of the improv made the cut of the film, but it just allowed us to be in the moment to really play with each other and get comfortable and build that relationship, especially because we didn't, like I said, we didn't have time to rehearse. They shot the film in 21 days, which is very, very fast. Um, and so yeah. when you're on set, you want your opinions heard, you want your voice heard, and you, but you also want to tell the vision that he has of the story. So you want to be respectful of his writing because he wrote it as well, but you also want to bring your energy, your voice to the character. And he was very open to ideas, to improvising, to, you know, to just being as alive and in the moment as possible. And for me, it's not always been the case. You know, a lot of times you feel very much confined to this is the line. This is what has to be said. This is how it's got to be done. Um, You know, because it is I've done a lot of television and on television, it can be a lot more strict. There is a script supervisor who's making sure that you're saying the line exactly as it is written. And that's fair. Uh, But it can be a little stifling at times because, you know, as as the person playing the character, you're like, well, I get that you have to say the lines as the writer wrote them. But if I was being truthful and honest to the character, my character would say it this way, but they don't always see it that way. And that's also fair because it's their vision and and you got to be respectful of that. And I'm not, you know, uh, saying anything bad about television because I love doing TV. It's just the reality. Whereas in this situation, we really got to tell our story and say the things the way that we needed to say them in order for them to make sense. Um, but even just off the page and and what I was saying before about it coming through me, the, the dialogue was written just like I would have said it. So it made it a lot easier for me to, to play this role without having to add so much on top of it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I cannot wait to see your performance in the film and, and Aubrey's as well. And I want to wish everybody involved both cast and crew uh, with this production all the best when it gets a more national release and i believe that is on august 12th correct yes correct and i do uh, to your point also I, I it will be out i think on thursday night in select theaters as well that's right like i mentioned at the esquire here in cincinnati and who knows maybe at another cinema or two so keep your eye out for that I can't wait to see the film. You know, when when you're drawn in by a trailer, that's really saying a lot right there, when you get good vibes like that. So congratulations, my friend. And like I said, it sounds like your career is really going in some exciting and positive directions. And I have a good feeling that good things are going to be right around the corner for you um, and and, and all of that. And uh, before we conclude, I did have two final questions for you, if you don't mind. Yes, let's do it. I came across something that really intrigued me, and that involves you in a backpack and Spain. So oh. I read something where you had uh, uh, done some traveling in Spain. Yes, yes. I, I, as, my, as my graduation gift from UCLA, my parents uh, paid for a trip 
for me to go to Spain. And I backpacked for like, I don't know, almost three weeks in Spain. Wow. By myself, mind you. By yourself? By myself. Wow. And I just met a lot of people. I stayed at a hostel and I I met a lot of people and they invited me to to go to a wedding. No, to um to go to their houses and like hang out with them. And <laughs> that sounds fun. All that. And it just so so happened that my one of my roommates that was from UCLA, she was visiting her boyfriend who was studying abroad. So I, I met up with her in a different town and and then my uh, my stepdad at that point, uh, a different different stepdad, um, he uh, was his brother was getting married in Barcelona, so he happened to be there uh, at a different time. So I met him and we went to the wedding, and so it just all kind of oddly enough came together in in a fun and exciting way. And I just it was such a, a wonderful learning experience. Uh, at times it was a little nerve wracking because I was like, I don't, I'm by myself. I don't know what's going to happen. But, but yes. you know, I, when you're in Spain or in another country, I don't know, everyone's just super cool, super nice. And, and you meet other great. fellow travelers that, that make the trip worthwhile. Well, it's, that's great to be able to see other parts of the world and no doubt those experiences and the, and the wonderful folks that you met stay with you long, long down the road. Well, my final question is something I'm very personally curious about. Now that you've experienced uh, theater or, or being involved with theater, television, film, you did kind of um, uh, cover some of that, the differences between television and film. So maybe I might know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, is there a an, an actual preference for you? If, if tomorrow you could work on any of those and it could be for months and months. Which one would you choose and why? Oh, film for sure. Film for sure. Um, but not not just for the reason that I had spoken about before. It's just that growing up, that's really, I mean, TV really informed me a ton. But my dream was always to be in films. And so I think having such incredible experiences of working on Sully and working and Emily the Criminal, I feel like that is really where my heart is. Of course, if I were to get a series regular tomorrow, I'd be you know over the moon. Sure. On the show right, but but film is is really what I would love to be doing for the rest of my life, <laughs> and <laughs> quality pictures. And and I I'm, I've been lucky nice. at two films specifically. Like I'm so proud to be part of them and I, and especially Emily the criminal I'm just so part, proud to be in a film that people are loving that people really like and are talking about in, in such a, a great beautiful way and because what I was telling my friend yesterday after the screening it's like it's not just about the fact that I'm in a film today and it's it's that this is going to be part of my legacy when I'm you know when I'm gone that I did this film that I'm so proud of that I that people will see for years and years and years that I can say I was I did this and as an artist not just as an actor as an artist it's so wonderful to be in projects and things that you are passionate about that you're excited about and that that I can say I did that and that to me is some, is part of my legacy that I leave behind you know well, that all sounds wonderful and and I'm proud to have you as a guest you've been a wonderful guest. It's been so nice to meet you today. Um, is there any social media pages where folks could learn more about you that you'd like to mention? Yeah, so on my Instagram, it's actor Bernardo Badillo. And on my Facebook, it's just Bernardo Badillo. That is my real page. 
Um, so please, uh, you know, join and follow and and uh, see what else I have coming up. Actually, I do also on August 12th have This Fool, which is a TV show uh, executive produced by Fred Armisen. He's also in it with Michael Imperioli. And it's a main Latino cast with Eric Estrada, Frankie Quinones, and Michelle Ortiz. And so um, that premieres on Friday also uh, on Hulu. <laughs> That's Maybe. a good day for you. <laughs> yeah. a day is what I call it. Um, you should go out and have a nice dinner that day or lunch. You deserve it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm in episode eight of that. I'm guest starring in, in one episode, so Great. that's also uh, a fun thing. Well, double congratulations then, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hollywood and Beyond Podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephen Brittingham. See you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Thanks for listening. <laughs>